Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell, the co-host, and that is Kurt Souter. Glad to have you back. Dude, it's great to be back. Last week was the first week I've ever done a show without you in Dude, four years, I, and it went stellar. Rave reviews. I, I, and I heard, uh, we got to talk afterwards. I heard... <laughs> I heard you getting a promotion. <laughs> well, no, yeah. It was you to do the show without me. Last week, Kurt was like hacking a lung up, and we didn't want him to hacking a lung up on radio. So uh, we're glad to have you back. We're uh, Solid Steps Radio, if you're just joining us. We were a couple guys that came together a few years ago, and we felt like the Lord was bringing us together to say, let's do a show for men as our primary audience. Ladies, we love you listening, but we want to talk to the guys primarily and say, hey, guys, um, you can talk about politics sports and weather only so much before you have to start talking about the things that matter for eternity and that's walking with and knowing jesus christ as your lord and savior and walking with god and try to have that conversation at a cocktail party or we don't go to cocktail parties we go to cookouts and have beverages that whatever they are i don't know what you do but my point is we need to talk about god and the things of god and today we're going to talk about a topic that a lot a lot of men will steer away from and they will kind of alienate themselves. I want to read this statistic to uh, those who, who are listening to see if you fall into this category. So if you're going to stop listening to the show, listen to this statistic. And then if you say, hey, that's not for me, you can turn it over. Okay. 322 million people worldwide live with, fill in the blank, depression. In 2014, according to the A. ADAA.org, that's Anxiety and Depression Association of America. In 2014, 15.7 million adults 18 or over in the U.S. had experienced at least one major depressive episode in the last year. That's almost 7% of adults in the United States. So depression is something that a lot of men will not talk about because it's just something they got to pull themselves up by their, their bootstraps and just get through. But sometimes it takes more than that. Yeah, and so we're bringing the expert in to talk about all of this. <laughs> Ronnie Cordray, is great to have you back on the show, dude. Thank you, my street name's Ankle Biter, if you could refer to me as that. Ankle Biter, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, Ankle Biter. Um, <laughs> hey, Ronnie, uh, first of all, before we talk about depression and uh, what Chad just introduced, talk to us a little bit about you grew up as a PK, what in the world is a PK? <clears throat> yeah, well, it's not the Promise Keepers rally. It's a preacher's kid. And um, I'll be honest, I grew up, I was excited to be a preacher's kid. And I attribute that directly to my dad, who did a great job of prioritizing our family and engaging with our family above ministry. And that's what I grew up, so I thought that was normal. Um and so I'm grateful for that. My dad was always at sporting events or activities, mm -hmm. my brother. And I, mean, I literally, like, when I first made the fifth and sixth grade basketball team at my school, which was the first organized team, he was like, hey, bring ho awesome, bring home your schedule. Well, I didn't know that at the time, but he got that schedule, and he literally, he blocked out those mm -hmm. time slots, and, and he had a very aggressive schedule as a minister but he just built it around it. Mm. And I knew that was a big deal, but now as a 46-year-old man with three kids, I'm like, that was, that was a big deal. And my mom was the same way. So, um, yeah, but that's not the case for all ministry kids. You were first in, uh, when that, w your eyes were opened, when you went to Bible college? Yeah. And you, 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 you started hearing about all these 
preacher kids. Yeah, well, honestly, growing up, I'd go to revivals, which is kind of unheard of now, but it was like where my dad would go preach at a church um, consecutive nights, and he would drag me along, uh, which actually I enjoyed going because I got to hang out with my dad, and he'd have me sing, whatever. And we'd go and— Seriously, your, your dad would have you sing? Yeah. As a little kid? Yeah. Nice. What'd my sing? parents' two favorite songs for me to sing were Softly and Tenderly on a Hill Far Away. <laughs> that was that was it. <laughs> but oh, This is explaining a lot, Ronnie. <laughs> yes, it is. But honestly, and people would be like, oh, you're a PK, and they'd, they'd kind of laughingly look at you like you had leprosy, and I'd laugh along, but I literally did not know what they were talking about until I went to Bible college and some of the wildest kids I ever met were preacher's kids. To a kid that I can recall, their dads used ministry as an excuse to be an absent dad, though. Mm. And so that it was then when it, it really took next level of my gratitude towards my dad and my mom for I never felt like I was competing with the church. Wow. I would not be sitting here if I did. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, that what a compliment to your parents. Mm-hmm. T- t- talk us to us right, real quickly about how you, you know, how you got into becoming a preacher. When did that when did that happen? Yeah. So my mom and dad, two of my biggest encouragers uh, to this day. So, you know, home was always a safe haven. It was always a place where I looked forward to going home. Now we weren't free of responsibility, but but it was a it was a place where I was built up. My brother as well. And so they from a young age they saw, you know, some some giftedness in me and they always, you know, pointed to that. Um not pointed to ministry. I'm, my dad never once talked to me about going into ministry, even though he was a pastor, and I'm grateful for that because, you know, when the hard, when the French fry guy at McDonald's looks like you're calling on a hard day, not that there's anything wrong with being the French fry guy, but like days where you just want to quit, I didn't have my dad pressuring me to go into ministry to be like, well, man, maybe, maybe I did this for my dad. And so I'm grateful for that. Mm. Um, but also Dave Stone was my first youth minister growing up. I'm Li- sorry. Yeah, lived with us on weekends. <laughs> I was fourth to sixth grade, very formidable years. And even though my mom and dad, great, you know, have grateful for my spiritual upbringing, but Dave, he came along, first youth minister, lived with us on weekends his senior year of college. So I got to see the same guy that's up front leading our youth group is the same guy, you know, behind closed doors. And... He was a huge influence. Again, never talked to me about ministry, but he was the first person that showed me you can be a Christian and still be nuts and have a blast. <laughs> I resonated with that as a fourth to sixth grade boy. I still resonate with that as a 46-year-old man. You can't know Dave Stone and not and not know, hey, ministry, you can have a lot of fun and have a blast oh. and still be serious about the kingdom. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. I, I've, I've forgotten that. I knew that... Dave was a part of your dad's church back in the day, but I had forgotten that he was your youth pastor. Yeah, he used to sleep in in, in my room uh, on Friday nights, and he'd come in. You know, he was out with high school, college age, late, super late. So I'd get up early on Saturday mornings to watch cartoons, and he'd be rolling out of bed at the butt crack of noon, and <laughs> and I'd be like, "Oh my goodness, you slept so late!" And he was like, well, "Actually, I was." I was in your room praying all morning, and I was, I was like, man, he's so spiritual. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so so Ronnie, fast forward. You you go to you go to Bible college. Then you go to do some graduate study. Um, then, then you become uh, – where did you go first in your first ministry? Yeah, so I was in student ministries for first six years out of college, not as a stepping stone. I, I loved student ministry. I knew I didn't want to die a student minister. 
Um, so I got to start in Greenwood, Indiana. Uh, Todd Clark was uh, brought me on with student ministries. I interned there and then ended up going full-time as middle school pastor. Um, so I did that six years. And then uh, my wife and I got married in June of 2000. Fast forward six days shy of our one-year anniversary, we were unpacking boxes in Chicago, Illinois, uh, to plant a church in our new home. Um, so there was a lot of change uh, within that first year of marriage. And Hang so, on, Tish, right? Yeah, yeah, church planning, <laughs> so easy, do it right out, right out of marriage. So we did that. Um, we were there a little over five years, uh, loved it. Um, Tish has her master's in autism. She had her dream job in the school system there. Um, I was the average age of our church as the lead planner. I mean, literally half of our church was fifth grade and under. Uh, it was just all young couples in a young community. Uh, we had some personal things happen. My mom got real sick uh, and, uh, and about, about died from a routine um, surgical procedure. You know your parents are getting older without stuff like that happening. And so just the, the distance with some family-related things just started. We loved where we lived. It just the distance from family got harder, and so we started praying that God would allow us to move back closer to the family and still do what we were doing, and he allowed us to do that about a year later. So then, and then you've been you've been in the Louisville area now how many <clears throat> years? Yeah, uh, back, back. since 2008, yeah. Um, been back. And so, been, le- so 11 years, and you, you've been pastoring all, all this time, mm-hmm. um, but something began to, your eyes were opened to some things uh, going on with you emotionally, physically, mentally. Uh, talk about that. Yeah, so t- last year, um, for 25-plus years, I've, I have struggle is a relative term, but I've had a somewhat consistent ups and downs battle with depression and anxiety um, in the past 25 years. I can yeah, pin- but, hey, but you're a preacher. You can't do that. That's true. I just needed to pray more, um, obviously. <laughs> you, but Yeah, if you'd been like Dave Stone praying all morning long, true. you know, you wouldn't have had that. That's true. So 25-plus um, years, you know, it's there's been some long seasons without the bouts, and then there's been some, but typically the cycle would go a couple days, a couple weeks, maybe even a couple months. But I always just had the mentality of it's like, dude, just fight through it, and you just keep grinding through it. And that, whether it worked or not, that's that was my mo. Until last year, uh, time started mounting, and next thing I know. It, it, I'm starting to approach a year, and the fog has still not lifted. And the, and the depression is, is there. We're going to take a break. So we'll come back in the next segment, and we're going to talk about what is the difference between a couple of days and a year's worth of depression, and what that the journey that sent uh, Ronnie on, that he was really already on, but kind of coming to grips with this. So we're going to take a break and come back and talk about in the next couple segments about depression and what that means in a man's life here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Satter, along with Ronnie Cordray, and we're talking today about depression and what that looks like in a man's life. And if you're depressed about your bank and you need to go someplace else, L&N Credit Union, I'm sorry, Ronnie, that was horrible. (laughs) 
I'm not laughing with you. I'm laughing at you. At actually, you. On that one. sorry. Laughing <laughs> near you. Ellen and Credit Union. They've been around for decades. They have been a pillar in this community for as far as your banking needs, commercial, personal, you name it. Ellen and Credit Union can help you out with that. And then Vision First Eye Care. They're a fantastic group. Rod Rollo and his crew. If you need contacts, glasses, or you just need to get your eyes checked, Vision First can take care of you. They take care of me, and they'll take care of you. And then Bright Star Home Care, if you know someone you love who's going through that very difficult season of life where they need either 24-hour care or just one day a week, they need to have somebody come by and check on them. Bright Star Home Care can walk through that journey with you. So, Ronnie, you've been battling this depression on and off for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but there came a point, you know, not too long ago, when you go, I- I've got to do something here. What, what triggered that, and then what did you do? Yep. So <clears throat> being tired all the time, uh, you know, even eating somewhat healthy, You're working exercising, out. You're exercising regularly, um, and sleeping eight hours of sleep at night, but still waking up with just feeling like I got a bowling ball on my head, just like just illogical fatigue. That's been, that's been part of the deal. Um, June of 2018, so, uh, October of 2017 was when, when I can pinpoint this bout with depression had started. And so now you're starting to mount some time. Um, I got to June of 2018 and I remember waking up, not literally waking up, but like waking up to the fact that, man, this is not ending. This is yeah this isn't in the rearview mirror time started mounting and for me the the red flag like what started making me very nervous was i i stopped wanting to be around people not because i don't and i'm a relationally driven person like people energize me and so i'm like whoa this is a like this is scary did you have in 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 that context were you having conversations with tish your wife um she's always been super supportive and you know known when you know, obviously you can't live with somebody and, and hide depression, depressive tendencies. But I don't remember us specifically talking about it before that summer. Um, yeah, I can't I can't recall us talking so, about it. So because keep in mind, October to June, which however many months that is, I was still in that dude, just fight through it. Yeah. And, t- and talk, talk, talk to our listeners about you were at Disney World or Disney World. Um, and the other thing is I'm training for my first half Ironman. So I'm swimming, biking, and running a lot. Um, so you would think, man, you're, I, I'm exercising as a priority. And a couple things happened. One is it hit me uh, after the half Ironman that I can't, I can't out-swim, I can't out-bike, I can't out-run this. But the other thing, coming back to your Disney World, I mean, this was a special vacation. We took our kids to Disney World and to the beach a couple of days. You know, happiest place on the planet. And it really, I mean, we love it. And I was trying to explain it to, to Tish after the fact, because she truly, I mean, she's super supportive and encouraging, but she, like, just trying to help her understand, because she can't relate to it. And I'm glad she can't. But I was like, take that, for instance. I said, I wasn't fake having a good time. Like, I wasn't just, hey, fake it till you make it. Like, I was genuinely having a blast with you and the kids at Disney World. But in that week vacation, there was probably a half dozen times where just out of nowhere, this 
feeling of helplessness and hopelessness and just an overwhelming, you know, black cloud feeling um, would just come up from nowhere. What, when, when that would happen, what would you do? Um, do, you, do you go take a nap? Do you, do you go, uh, what, what do you do? Yeah, for me, I, I could sleep eight hours at night and still take a two-hour nap. Like and Just you know be, and here's where the weird a weird part is like, okay, is that laziness or are you depressed? You know, I mean, and and that's where it can get convoluted because it's like this wasn't just a oh I just feel like being lazy. It was like I just don't have it in the tank, and naps weren't solving that, and eating healthy and and those sort of things. So then, you finally pick up the phone and you go, I gotta call my doctor. What, what happened there? Yeah. So first off, I I had trusted a couple a couple f- close friends, um, and I was I was talking to one of my friends, um, my name of Les, and he he just shot me straight. I'm you know just explaining to him, and I was like, man, I just I can't seem to fight through this because that had been my mo. And he said, previous. get your head out of your rear, didn't he? He said those exact <laughs> words, but in Mississippi terms. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, get your head out of your rear and go see a doctor. He said, if you have a chemical imbalance, Ronnie, you can't just fight through this. And that is exactly what I wanted to, needed to hear, not wanted to hear. And so I called my doctor, uh, who's a friend of mine, and he said, come in tomorrow. And I told him why. And I sat down with him and I said, Scott, I'm going to tell you everything I think could possibly be helpful. Well, apparently I answered all the questions he would have asked and he said, okay, so you have symptoms of depression and anxiety. Now, I will say, and, and every story is different, but for me, suicidal thoughts was not a part of this heavy season. And I'm grateful for that. You're grateful for that. For but a it's lot, rare. For, for a lot of guys, yeah. that's not the case. Mm-mm. They have suicidal thoughts. Yep. Um, what, so what did Dr. Scott say? Well, he said, um, first off, he said, I have seen many, many pastors in my years. So he said, first off, there's nothing to feel ashamed or embarrassed about. Um, so fast forward, he put me on Prozac, um, an antidepressant medicine, and, and I took it. You know, I was at a place where I was like, whatever. I'll smoke whatever you tell me is helpful right now. And so he prescribed me to Prozac and... Uh, not as a solution, not as a magic pill, but he said, hey, you know what? If this helps, who cares? This is going to help bring balance yep. into your... Yep, to this chemical imbalance. And, of course, I had blood work, too, to go along with that. And I started taking it. But I remember before I took that first pill, I just remember, uh, one, the enemy trying to turn this into a, a spiritual thing of, like, dude, if you if you had enough faith, if you trusted God enough... If you, you had pray, Dude, if you if would you had pray pr- more... Prayed, yeah, if you'd prayed in King James Version, you wouldn't be depressed and wouldn't need this pill. And not joking aside, like that was a ri- like it was just him trying to do that. John ten ten, the only enemy comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. My peace, my joy, my confidence, and really, I, I mean, I remember just even though it was illogical, I remember feeling like, man, taking this pill, I'm tearing off at least a corner of my man card, which is dumb, but it, it felt real. But I still took it. Um, you got desperate enough, like I, I I've got to, I'm, I'm gonna, I've talked with my doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take this pill. Yeah. Now at the same time, and here's where it can get tricky, is I wasn't taking that pill so that I didn't have to depend on God to get me through it, and that's that's I think um, 
How, how, how did you find that balance? Mm. Well, one is I, I, I shared with a few friends, so I wasn't trying to be my own accountability partner through it because I stink at being my own accountability partner on any subject. And so I told a few f- trusted friends. Uh, in fact, one of my close friends, Sam, is a pharmacist, and, and he, he, he helped walk me through that. Because in the process, I also got my blood tested again and found out I had hypothyroid, which just added to the complexity. So now I'm taking thyroid medicine and Prozac. And I mean, I'm not anti-medicine, but it's like now I'm putting two chemicals in my body. Not excited to take two pills, the re- one, much less two the rest of my life. But Ronnie, you did, you, you shot out an email. Would you mind reading that email or that text yeah. to a handful of your close friends? Read that for yeah. our listeners. And um, I, I did not want to send this, but I knew I needed to. And I sent it to a few trusted friends. And, and the word of caution here, don't post something like this on social media. Like that's not the, the environment. But to a few trusted friends, I said, my pride and ego are saying don't send this text, but to not is to be a poser. Went to my doctor yesterday for this awful bout with anxiety and depression that started last October, which we're about a year in at this point when I sent this text. I've been trying to fight through it, but it keeps looming large. Doctor put me on Prozac, which is a bit emasculated and feels like trading in my man card. I realize emotions are not reliable, but they have been eating my lunch pretty good, attacking my confidence, peace, and joy. I'm scared, I feel alone, and I'm pretty tanked. I'm questioning things about myself that I know are not from God. Uh, not suicidal thoughts for clarity. I will continue to fight forward and refuse to quit, but my arms are heavy right now. I don't share this for pity, and I'm not fishing for fake compliments. Instead, I'm asking you men to help lift my arms as a Christ follower, husband, father, and pastor, like Exodus 17, 11 to 12 describes. Specific prayer is the best weapon as I am off, and I can't get the switch to turn back on, which is highly frustrating, confusing, and deflating. I love you, men. I trust you, men, and I'm grateful to have you both in my life and in my corner. Mm. And and uh, how do they respond? Uh, I experienced the full force of the church. I mean, these dudes—they loved on me. They they faithfully prayed for me. They asked me about it without making it the only thing we talked about. Mm. Right. So it's. You didn't want this to become your identity, but this is, I've got to work through this, and I need help. So we're going to take a break, come back, and a couple more segments, we're going to unpack this. So where Ronnie went down this path, first acknowledging it among his friends, and then what does he do go from there, and what can we learn from this as men? So we're going to take a break, come back in the next couple segments, and keep talking about depression and in men's lives and what that looks like here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Souter, and Ronnie Cordray talking about depression and what that looks like in a man's life and how to deal with it and walk with it. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors uh, of our show, Dan Hart Financial. If you need to talk, if you're depressed about your retirement and you look at your numbers and go, whoa, uh, I say that jokingly, but if you have any financial concerns about retirement, what that looks like, what's wisdom and biblical advice, Dan Hart Financial, he and his crew can take care of you on that. Frank Enterprises, if you have any water waste issues outside, if your water outside is not going where it's supposed to go, septic tank issues, Frank Enterprises are professionals at taking care of that. 
And then SouthernSmokeCatering.com. They're the best tasting sponsor we have. Uh, they are a catering only uh, barbecue place. SouthernSmokeCatering.com. Put some South in your mouth. And you want to mention uh, Jennifer or not? Uh, yeah, we've got a new sponsor, and uh, Jennifer Heck has a uh, a new book coming out, and it is an awesome book called Heavenly Conversations, One Night Before Christmas. Uh, if you want to know more about that, if you want to start a new tradition, it's a story about what happened the night before Jesus came, and she tells this fictional conversation, not fictional, but a conversation between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before Jesus comes, and it's a great book. It's a, it could be a Christmas tradition for you. Go to heavenlyconversation.com. Okay, so Ronnie, you you you've been battling this for twenty five years. This depression, you finally get, um, you know, it gets bad enough. You finally reach out for help. You go to the, your doctor, and in, in, in that same context, you also blast out an email. Not, not a blast out. You yeah. texted a couple guys, mm -hmm. dear friends, and said, "Guys, hey," and just got really vulnerable with them. But then, fast forward three days. There's a large men's gathering, and tell us what happened. Yeah, so we have about 1,800 dudes show up for this thing called Uncensored we were doing for men only. I was the host MC, so it meant I do the welcome and I do the close. Um, Kyle, our, our teacher pastor at the time, he comes, I introduce him, he comes out there, and I don't even remember everything he said, but at one point he talked about uh, like a list of five things that guys struggle with. Like number three was... Men struggle to say, I need help. Well, I'm side stage, and the second he said that... The Holy Spirit grabbed you. The Holy Spirit grabbed me, <laughs> but I wanted to run out of the building because I was like, man, our senior pastor, our teaching pastor, our executive pastor, a lot of our elders are... I mean, just a lot of, a lot of dudes are in this room, and I'm like... But the second he said, men struggle to say, I need help, I knew what the Holy Spirit wanted me to close up with. And so I, I came out there and, and I actually read that text uh, that I had sent to a few guys three days previous. And, you know, and I said, guys, I said, maybe it's depression for you. Maybe it's something else. But, you know, we are stronger together when we link arms with other dudes. And after that moment for the next multiple months, I had more dudes. And, you know, of course, I didn't say it to get attention or to woe is me, but I had... That Romans 8, 28 says, and, and God works for the good of those who love him. It doesn't say everything is good. Depression and anxiety is not good. But I witnessed God bringing good from me being vulnerable. Mm. Many, many men um, over the next two to three months reached out to me. Some I knew, many I didn't, and said, man, when you shared that, like, I went to see my doctor the next day or the ne that next week because I had always felt like, man, I just needed to keep this down inside and and when you shared what you shared i was like me too um, it's, it's amazing how the enemy wants us to keep quiet oh yeah no matter if we're struggling with depression or we're struggling with you know we've talked about alcohol and our addiction to alcohol or drugs or you you name it mm -hmm. uh, sexual perversion and sexual sin and and god wants us to throw our hand up and say i need help Mm -hmm. And you did that, and that was the, that really was a catalyst of for a lot of men going, hey, if that guy throws his, his hands up in the air and says, I need help, and they saw you do that, mm -hmm. that gave them the courage to step up and go, you know what, I need to follow that ex example. Yeah. It required pursuing humility, uh, which is different than being humiliated. 
Hmm. Um, and and I, I like to distinguish the difference in that. Uh, it was humbling. I mean, you know, the men's team leader at at our church, and it was not. I'd, I'd much rather talk about other things than that. But it's interesting. Probably that is. I've seen more fruit as far as to help other guys from me being vulnerable and sharing that than probably anything else I've ever shared. Well, again, you know, the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace mm. to the humble. And even yeah. in the middle of your struggle here, you, you humbled yourself. And, and when you humble yourself, you experience the grace and the work of God mm-hmm. in ways that otherwise wouldn't have happened probably. Yeah, and I th- I think it's it's worth pointing out that there's a difference in having a hard day and struggling with depression. And people who, you know, I, I wish every person hearing this were like, I can't relate to it, but statistics that Chad rattled off at the beginning share otherwise. Um, my wife, she's never struggled with this, getting grateful for that. But she she was like, I want to be helpful. Help me be helpful. And I think, you know, if, if you're going through it, um, I think there's a few helpful things that you can do, not as magic pills or solution, but just to stay, you know, and I'm talking to Christian men, um, but first off, you have to tell a few trusted friends. Again, don't post it on social media as your few friends. Um, tell, if you're a guy, tell a, tell another man. Don't tell a woman uh, outside of your wife. That's dangerous and stupid. Um, another thing is be faithful and focus on gratitude. Um, just not as a solution, but as a way to combat, you know, the emotional side of things. Um, talk about that. How did you try to, uh, you know, incorporate gratitude and, and not just try to do that, yeah. but how did, you know, what did you do to help put some, put some flesh on that bone there? Honestly, when I look back on that year, I didn't really ask God for anything. Um, I really didn't, other than, you know, protect my kids' innocence type of prayer and show me how to, you know, fight for a healthy, thriving, Christ-centered marriage type of deal. I focused on gratitude. God, thank you for, and I'm grateful for. Um, you know, perspective is powerful, mm. and so it helped me navigate through it. Again, not as a, not being fake, you know, it's important to not be in denial about any depression or anxiety, but it's also important to not be all allow it to become all consuming, which it, it naturally does, or can be. What, and, uh, oh, um, the psalmist says, "Let his praise will always be on my lips." Mm. Re- really, you were trying to okay. How do I praise and thank the living God yeah. for the blessings of this life? Yep, I listened to a lot of worship music. Uh, focused on you know one of my mantras is is Proverbs eleven twenty five that I try to live by. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Um, again, these things didn't fix everything. Uh, for me, it, it was about a year long. But in the midst of it, I wasn't waiting until I felt right again to pursue those values. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ongoing praise and worship, ongoing mm-hmm. giving thanks, ongoing connecting with other men, being vulnerable and honest. You, you mentioned it was one of your buddies uh, frequently shot you a text and would... It was a prayer. It was, it was mm-hmm. prayers. Talk about that just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he would send me audio prayer texts faithfully. I remember one time he sent me Lauren Daigle's uh, song, You Say. I'd heard it many times. I'd never really listened. And he said, man, listen to the words of this. 
and I wore that song out. Like for me, that just it spoke to me in that season. Um, what was the name of that song? You say by Lauren Daigle. Just a powerful song. Um, yeah, and as you are connecting with these guys, your your close friends, anything else that they did that gave you you know just a shot in the arm. Just knowing, simply knowing that, you know, to be, you know, to com- become fully known and to have guys say, link arms with you, and, you know, say, we're with you. Not just, which is different than, hey, let me know if you need anything. Mm. I had a few faithful friends. They were pursuing me, not as a project, but that's, for, you know, it's kind of like at a funeral. Many, many well-meaning people will say, hey, let me, let me know if you need anything. You're never going to reach out. But, hey, remember when you said that three months ago? Would you mow my yard? I mean, people mean well, but it's like that's very different than somebody putting on their calendar, reach out to this person yes. weekly and doing it. Yes. And I can just tell you, I am typically on the other side of that, pursuing, helping. I've witnessed the church being the church, the full force of the church through it, through a few friends, and uh, I'm grateful for it. Uh, real quickly, Ronnie, how did you balance... Um, as you're having a conversation, and we'll, I'm going to ask the question, then we're going to we'll answer it next, next segment. But how did you balance not always talking about depression? How did you balance talking about life and mm-hmm. not not allowing depression to be the central focus of the conversation? So we'll take that break, and in the fourth and final segment coming up. And if you want to hear all of this, and you're just catching it, go to Facebook, SoundCloud, or iTunes, and you like Solid Steps radio and then you'll be able to hear all these uh, commercial free uh, on those podcasts or you can also go to furtherstoneministries.org and click on the mic so we'll take a break be back in the next segment on solid steps radio welcome back to our fourth and final segment of solid steps radio we uh, are glad you're joining us but if you're just tuning in we're talking to ronnie cordray about his journey with depression and if you missed those first three segments go to soundcloud itunes facebook or you can go to further still ministries click on the mic or just type in solid steps radio in one of those places and wherever you listen to podcasts and you should be able to find that listen to it in its entirety thanks to great sponsors like the southeast outlook they are a organization a, a publication that talks about what is god is doing and the story he is writing in people's lives both here in our city and around the world so thank the southeast outlook for doing that and also eric veal of iroquois family dental they are a family friendly family frontal family friendly dental say that 10 times uh, dental office they have two locations one in the southwest end of, of the county and then also in the east end so look them those guys up. And also Veritech Generators. If you need to have a generator for your personal residential home or your business, or you need to get maintenance on your generators that you already have installed, give Veritech a call. They'll take care of you. So, Ronnie, when, when you're talking with your buddies and they're encouraging you, they're supporting you, how do you make the depression, not the central focus of your conversations and the relationship. How did, how did they do it, and how did you do it? So they, there's a healthy balance of talking about it and, and them encouraging you and praying for you and yet not making it the central focus. What would what, you guys do? Yeah, I think there's a good rhythm of, you know, a good friend. You don't drop a bomb like, hey, I need help, and then they 
never mention it again because that can feel like, dude, do you not care? But I think it's acknowledging it, you know, but then, but then, you know, like for me, when I meet with somebody, not just about this subject, it's like, hey, I'm going to de- I'm going to take your lead on if when we get together, if you want to talk about it, we can, but we don't have to. So I, but, but I communicate that. So I think mm-hmm. communicating as a friend, you know, if somebody going through depression be like, I, I want to be helpful. Um, we can talk about it as much or as little as you want. And then checking in from time to time, but kind of deep taking their lead. I think, I think that's what I'd say tomorrow mm. too. Ronnie, talk to us about, you did not have suicidal thoughts, mm. but that's not the case for a lot of people who struggle with depression, chemical imbalance, and they have suicidal thoughts. Talk to our listeners about that. Yeah. First off, I, it's, it's pretty rare for what I've gone through for that to not be a part of it. I can't explain why, but I know a lot of dudes that is part of it. And what I can tell you is if that is you pick up the phone right now and tell somebody, um, and go see somebody, uh, you know, professional Christian counselor, because that is, that's a big deal. Um, I know I have a friend last year that he was going through a similar deal and, um, we went and took his guns out of his house. Now, the enemy wants you to think that's weak sauce. That is wisdom, and that is strength. Because he said, you know, I just, right now, I just, I feel like I just need to get this stuff out of my house. Yep, and I had, and I, I don't, I'm not for sure it was full-blown depression, but he lost his wife and the kids. He was just so distraught mm-hmm. and so sad. He, they, they, the kids went and got all the guns out of the house just 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 protect dad that's just i think wisdom it is ronnie talk to us about what helping folks who are struggling with depression what to do and what not to do <laughs> i can tell you what was helpful for me and i can also tell you what was laughably not helpful <laughs> and you know one of my spiritual gifts saying dumb things so seasoned conversation with grace never hard for me but i can tell you well-meaning people um I can tell you what's not helpful is trying to turn somebody telling, pouring their heart out to you, telling about their depression and anxiety and you turning that into you and talking about your hard day. Uh, I remember I met with one guy and well-meaning guy, but I, I've just poured out, you know, I've been struggling this for a year and he's, Oh yeah, basically like, yeah, me too. You know? And he goes on to tell me about how he's had a rough week at work. And I'm like, okay, these Thanks. Are, this is miles apart. Yeah. Uh, I can also tell you what's not helpful is somebody trying to have... It's same with when you're at a funeral and you see somebody hurting with good motives and intentions. You want to remove their pain. And trying to say that perfect word or thought, it comes out 99.9% of the time really insensitive and dumb. So realize there's nothing you can say that like magically, wow, I'm not depressed anymore. Um, so you being a good friend is being, you know, Job, when those guys, they came and they simply were with them. Um, as Chad said, it was when they opened their mouth is when, when things started, got in trouble. But I can tell you what is helpful is, is be a great listener and friend, uh, be a faithful prayer warrior for that person. Mm. Um, you know, maybe sometimes it's calling and praying with them on the phone. Maybe other times it's sending an audio prayer text. Um, it's, you know, like my friend sending, sending that you say song 
when you think of somebody mm. and it's it's pursuing being their friend which is very different than hey man i'm here for you let me know if you need anything when you're depressed and you're wanting to be in isolation that's the last thing you're going to do is say hey will you do this for me so it's it's pursuing being that and risk stepping over bounds that's what a good friend does um, there's no black and white formula for hey this is exactly how to navigate through it but risk overstepping and being awkward Ron, talk to us just real quickly about the guy who, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's a depression um, in the midlife crisis world. Um, maybe it's, maybe it's not fully a chemical imbalance. I mean, that's what your experience was. Um, thyroid was also in, involved in that. Talk with a guy who's just struggling maybe with work and his identity. Could you speak into that just a little bit? Yeah, well, I mean, we can, you know, who you become is much more important than what you do, and who you hang around with largely determines who you become. We know that, but as men... Say that one more time. Well, it's tattooed on my arm here. (laughs) can't see it, but it's who you become is much more important than what you do who you hang around with largely determines who you become. They both work together. Um, that's true of my kids, you know, making sure we foster good friendships and protect them from wrong ones and wrong influences. It's still true of us as adult men. Um, but there is something in us that we know that's true, but to not have your identity be what you do or how many commas is in your paycheck, that's that's hard, uh, the reality of that. So... Um, I believe surrounding ourselves, linking ourselves with other dudes uh, is a huge piece to that to help remind ourselves who we are because um, the world will try to suck us into that that vacuum of false identities Yeah, and labels. Is that what you mean? Yep, that's okay. exactly right. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we need each other. We need Christ ultimately, but but there's this, this we are the body of Christ, mm. and therefore we need to connect with the body of Christ. Yep. And By myself, I'm really easy for the enemy to take me out wow. on any subject. When I'm linking arms with other dudes, it's not impossible, but it sure does make it a whole lot more difficult. It is, and yeah, it's amazing. Listeners, we hope and pray that you will connect deeply with within the body of Christ and have a good church solidly preaching the Bible and that is uh, connecting you to solid believers who can encourage, pray with, and support, and you can, you can do life together in community. That's what we were made for. Ronnie Cordray, it's great to have you. Thanks so much for sharing your story. Thanks for your vulnerability, being transparent with us in the struggle of depression. Mm. Would you pray for us guys and pray for the guys who are struggling right now with depression? Absolutely. Father, we lift you up and we acknowledge that you are our creator. You are the ultimate healer. Father, I pray for for any and every man who is listening to this, um, who can unfortunately relate to, to part of my story. Father, would you remind them that you are for him and not against him? I also pray that you would remind him that you are in the redemptive power business. And so I pray that uh, you would leverage uh, this story to point men towards your son Jesus' redemptive power, not to look how great of friends I have or what I did to fight through it. Father, you are the ultimate healer. 
Father, would you remove lies uh, with your truth, with what your word says? And for those who are listening to this who at any level cannot relate, Father, would you show them how to pursue being a good friend um, with another man in their life who statistically says uh, they're they're going to battle with depression. So show us how to be faithful friends during those seasons. Mm-hmm. God, ultimately, we pray that you would be glorified by what was talked about. I personally am grateful that depression is in the rearview mirror for me right now. Um, but if for guys who it's in front of them and they're in it, uh, remind them of the way you see them. And I pray that you would envelop them with your peace as a result of that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ronnie. Appreciate it so much. My pleasure. So if you're hearing this and maybe you caught the tail end of this and you didn't hear it all, go to Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, type in Solid Steps Radio, or go to furtherstillministries.org, click on the mic, and you'll be able to hear it in its entirety. Thanks to our sponsors. But if you're just hearing this and you're talking about, well, depression, well, here's a couple things that you can know is, A, if you keep it secret, it's going to fester talk to somebody and it, you saw with Ronnie when he started to talk to people who he trusted other men in his life that's when that that light was shining in the dark into the darkness and it wasn't just taking a pill and gone and praying it is gone but it was a journey and he's walking on it and if you're not walking with Jesus Christ you're not fulfilling your destiny as a man so a part of this journey is maybe depression or downfalls he had never said we would not ha- not have them but he did say he would never leave us in those times so we thank you for listening pass this along to someone who can, who can li- listen to it and be blessed by it lord and uh, we thank you in uh in jesus name thanks for listening to solid step Radio.